Live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. morning and good afternoon to our East Coast listeners. I'm your host, Thomas Terry, and today I'm joined by my producer, Osmar Valles, alongside my fantastic co-hosts, Joey Gonzalez and Bo Kelly. There's a lot to recap from this busy week, and we're going to do our best to cover everything. But before we get started, let's throw it to Bo for a word from our sponsors. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is the sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on northbound frontage road of I-35 and Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Bo. Now let's hop straight into it. Today's date is Friday, November the 10th, and that means we are officially two weeks away from Thanksgiving. I don't know if you guys are ready, but I am extremely ready for this. This is one of my favorite holidays. (laughs) But alongside Thanksgiving, that also means great football. And I'll tell you who's been playing some great football. Texas State. Yeah. Now, last year, I don't know if that's a sentence that I'd be saying, (laughs) but this is a brand new year. This is a brand new era under head coach G.J. Kenny and Texas State football, Joey, six and three. That means that they're bowl eligible, correct? Yeah, bowl eligible. I mean, it was a good, good game last weekend. And T.J. Finley, I mean, one of the best games of the season from him. I mean, he was lights out. Ishmael Amadi has been great. I mean, he's being nominated for All-American honors. Joey Hobart as well. He's up there for... Um, top receivers in the nation. So Bobcats have some really good guys, but this weekend's going to be tough as well. Two teams that are top two in their respective divisions, both in Coastal Carolina in the East and Texas State in the West. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I mean, this is Texas State football team, as you said, the most fun since 2014. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of fun being at those games, especially considering, you know, last year that crowd energy wasn't there, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, with G.J. Kinney and, um, you know, this new team, it's we went shopping, essentially, for some of the greatest players we could possibly get for our team. And now here we are. We're going bowling. Mm -hmm. We're going bowling. Mm -hmm. Now I'm excited to go to the games now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then talking about, although that matchup coming in is going to be a tough one this weekend, Mm -hmm. this last game that they won, this was also a tough matchup against Georgia Southern. They're just not a pushover team might I say they're also now six and three and that score they won that pretty comfortably 45 to 24 but when you talk about the strengths of Texas State football I mean obviously it's their offense which happens to be the 10th best offense in the nation by FBS standards so that means that they have garnered 4,351 yards of total offense over 4,000 yards of total offense I mean would you believe me if I told you that that's better than the team up north about 30 miles in the University of Texas at Austin? That's crazy thinking that the University of Texas is ranked top 10 in the nation. And, I mean, it's just because, I mean, you got a former SEC quarterback in T.J. Finley. And then, I mean, there's just so many so many weapons on this team. And then, Thomas, you're talking about the offense. I'm going to brag a little bit about the defense. Top five in the nation in tackles for loss. I mean, it's hard to move the ball forward if you're kind of constantly going behind the line of scrimmage, and that starts with the defensive line and the linebackers that are coming in to provide the support. I mean, offense is good. 
defense is good and they could put up points. And in that win on Saturday was actually the biggest win in a Sunbelt conference game in program history. So, I mean, pretty dominant outing against a really good Georgia yeah. Southern football team. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the defense being getting better as the season goes along, that's been great for running back Ismail Mahdi because when you play against the best, it's basically iron sharpening iron. Mm -hmm. And Ismail Mahdi this season, I mean, he's been outstanding, absolutely electric. 11th in the FBS in total rushing yards, sitting at 953 and 7th in the nation in yards per carry at 6.9. 6.9 yards per carry as a running back? I mean, that's almost you're enter, entering uncharted territory here for that type of production coming out of your running back. But like you said, also, T.J. Finley, it can't be understated, the amount of prowess that he has put into this team. And also, let's not forget about Malik Hornsby as well, mm -hmm. the type of packages that Coach Kitty has used him for and everything. So big major shout-out to Texas State football and looking forward to see what they can do this weekend against Coastal Carolina. But another team, Texas State team, that I want to talk about really quickly is Texas State Volleyball. Mm -hmm. Now, Joey, I know you were on the call for that one last night. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, I mean, it was a really physical game. I mean, 3-1 the final score. But, I mean, Texas State, in the three sets that they lost, they lost by a combined 10 points. I mean, that's how close each set was. The second set was dominant by Texas State, and it was controlled by Bailey Hanner, who had nine blocks. That was a career high for Hanner. I mean, the blocking was amazing, and that's what Coach Hewitt talked about this week. He said, we need to find a way to frustrate Coastal Carolina. Usually, Texas State Volleyball is an offensive program, but this year, it's been a lot more defensive, and that showed on the blocks. I mean, they outblocked Coastal Carolina 15-8, to and I mean, it comes from Bailey Hanner, Jade DeFree, as usual, was good, six blocks, Sammy Wunsch with six as well. The Texas State defense was there, but I mean, they're going to find, they're needing, tonight, they need to find a way to swing even better too many tips too many touches they need to swing out and it's going to come from girls like like kj johnson and sammy wunch yeah and then a name that i also heard a lot last night kj johnson 14 kills last yeah. night and that brings her total up to 336 on the season mm -hmm. now joey i know as a volleyball savant can you tell me what that statistic really is as a kill yeah, I mean, so KJ Johnson and the the thing that was impressive to me. So, for our listeners that don't that don't follow volleyball, a kill is whenever the ball is hit and it's not returned off the first touch. So that could go off a of blocker's hands, or it could just go straight in the hardwood. And KJ Johnson, I mean, she finds a way to make it happen. And the the crazy part is KJ's been playing with a severely wrapped left knee brace. I mean, it's a it's one of those really thick ones that you don't like to see for athletes and she's still out there diving for all these balls it's crazy to me to see that kj's putting her body through this and still playing at such a high level i mean she's only got a couple of games left in her collegiate volleyball career and she's been playing really well and last night showed with being tied for the most kills on the team and then another name too, junior Alyssa ortega with three aces last night bring yeah. her total to 49 on the year now i know that's a pretty spectacular stat too isn't it yeah Alyssa ortega was serving the ball really well and there was a point to where they had back-to-back -back aces forced a timeout for coastal carolina i mean it was it was impressive to see ortega serves as a bobcat team who's top five in the sunboat conference and average aces per set so i mean ortega did a really good job and I mean, outserving Coastal Carolina five aces to two, and both teams had five um, service errors. So, I mean, really good match last night, but looking forward to what tonight's going to have. Absolutely. And we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to have an exclusive interview with CCU, WCCU radio host Parker Gallagher and also former CCU volleyball player Leah Levert.
So don't go anywhere. You're listening to KTSW Radio. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. And this morning we are joined by Parker Gallagher from WCCU Radio. Hey, Parker, can you hear me? All right. I think we're still trying to get him going here for a second. But just really, I want to let's hop back into Texas State football, that matchup against WCCU last night or Coastal Carolina last night. I mean, these are two juggernaut programs that we're talking about here. And I believe Coastal Carolina has only lost one game in conference, haven't they? Yeah, and it it was following a 13-match winning streak. It was against South Alabama last weekend. I mean, this is a Coastal team who is on an absolute tear. I mean, you look at that win percentage, point nine two nine in conference play, 12-0 in their division. And I'm thinking right now, I mean, next week is Sunboat Conference Tournament, and you got to think that it's likely going to be Texas State versus Coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game come next Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this team, it's already been stated all throughout the year, their dominance that they've shown and the upperclassmen that have been playing so well. But let's not forget about the underclassmen that have also made a tremendous impact on this team so far. So are there any underclassmen to you? To you guys that have made an impact that you would like to highlight? I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, Maggie Walsh, the former San Marcos Rattler. I mean, she's come in and she's been great. I mean, she's great in the back line. And then in the in the front row, she can hit the ball really well. Jade DeFree is a is a sophomore. And, I mean, she's all over the block as well. Sammy Wunsch, redshirt freshman. And talk about the game she had last night. She was blocking killing the ball as well. I mean, there's a lot of really good girls on this team, but I think the most impressive has been Bailey Hanner. She was Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Week just a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, Hanner, to me, I think Hanner is probably the most significant player on this team, just on the defensive side, especially talking that this Texas State volleyball team is so defensive here in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, like we talked about, the Sunbelt Conference Championship would be played in Foley, Alabama. I believe, isn't that where the Texas State soccer team just came from as well? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> we're hoping that Texas State Volleyball will have a little bit more success after the season is over and everything. So best of luck to them going into the matchup tonight against Coastal Carolina. I mean, it's going to be a fantastic matchup between two juggernaut teams. I mean, who doesn't like a great volleyball matchup like that? Two great teams and everything. So really, while we're trying to get everything situated with the interview, I want to highlight real quick, San Marcos High School basketball, their season has started underway mm-hmm. for the girls, at least. And the two games that they've played in this year, they've already won. So they're 2-0 and on the season thus far. So I want to ask you, Joey, what are you kind of expecting from this team? Do you think it'll be a better season from last year? Yeah, I mean, they, they felt like a really young team last year, and I, I think that they, they get back on that right track. I mean, there's no better start than starting your season 2-0. and and I mean, they're not walkover games either. I mean, a season opening win against Smithson Valley. I mean, that's that's a significant start for San Marcos girls basketball. So I'm interested to see what they could do. And hopefully they find a way to get back into the playoffs. Absolutely. I think I just got the word from my producer that we now have Parker Gallagher on air now. Hey, Parker, can you hear me? Okay, I think we're still having some technical difficulties there. Sorry, guys. But, yeah, back to San Marcos High School women's basketball. I mean, this team, I had an opportunity to go and report that game versus Smithson Valley. And let me tell you, that was an absolute defensive-oriented game. I mean, those two teams, it was 9-9 to after the first quarter. It's not too many games this year, especially in this new day and age of basketball, where the three-point shot is the most dominant shot that a score is 9-9. to Mm -hmm. At the end of the first half, 19 to 18. 
that lets you know, I mean, these girls were out here playing physical. And mm-hmm. when I had an opportunity to talk to J- Coach Jermaine Irvin, I asked him about the free throw discrepancy because there was there were a lot of whistles that were going Smithson Valley's way, yeah. but not that many that were going San Marcos's way. And so I asked him, how did you get the girls to continue playing physical, to continue driving to the hoop, to continue playing physical basketball just so they wouldn't be scored on in the paint, you know, because a lot of girls are in foul trouble. And he told me to just keep the resiliency, to know that the shots are going to fall that they're having inside of the paint and that the whistle is going to come their way eventually. Don't look for the whistles per se, but just continue playing your brand of basketball. And that is exactly what those girls did that night because in the third quarter alone, after scoring only 18 in the first half, they put up 18 points in that third quarter. So, I mean, can we talk about the impact that, you know, just great coaching can have on a group of girls like that. Yeah, well, first off, I go to the point about the about that eighteen point third quarter. I mean, if you looked at the box score, you're like, oh, 50 points. It's a typical high school girls basketball game. But I mean, it's scoring eighteen in the third quarter. Something obviously clicked in the locker room. But if we're gonna switch over to the topic of Jermaine Irvin and him coaching the team, I mean, he's got so many girls on the team that that they've been playing together for a long period of time. Ezra Tobias, she's a junior. I feel like I've been calling that name forever as well. Alicia uh, Pearson as well as Raya Fennell. Fennell was really good last year, and, I mean, she's been playing well. I mean, there's so many so many consistent girls. Bailey Guzman's on this team. And the reason I say all those names is because they've been playing for so long, and Coach Irvin knows how they play. So with that, he's able to coach them at a higher level because they've been playing together so long. Yeah, and I had an opportunity to also write an article on there that you can find on KTSW, on the KTSW blog. But I talked about how this last season that they had, it was an anomalous anomaly per se, because although they were not that great, if you look at the years prior, they have been very good, a very mm-hmm. good basketball team. So last year was the only outlier in that, I guess, in this coaching era for Coach Irvin so far. So I'm really excited to see what these girls are able to do this year. And I'm definitely excited tonight. The boys basketball team is yeah. kicking back off tonight in a matchup against Southwest High School, Southwest Legacy High School. And so that hope won't will be tonight there in the snake pit. And their team is very interesting. We know the run that they had coming out of the playoffs, everything and losing in that, I believe it was the quarterfinal matchup in the state championship game. But their team is full of 40% seniors and 60% juniors. Let's talk about the impact of having that many upperclassmen on the varsity team and maybe how that can help them make another playoff push. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season to see how they respond. I mean, you lost Caden Gums, um, Malik Presley, two guys that are playing at the Division One level with Caden Gums playing at Texas State and Malik Presley playing over at Vanderbilt. It's so... I'm interested to see how they could do, but I mean, seniors, they do have that little bit more poise. They, they've been playing as a lot longer. And I mean, head coach, Dan Miller, he's such a great coach. I'm sure he's going to lead this, this squad to, to a good season. I mean, he proved it last year that he could take this team to a top eight spot in the, in the state of Texas in conference six, a, so, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch in a school in a Southwest legacy and down in San Antonio. It's a good start to the season and he can get on track. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up coach Dan Miller. I mean, having an opportunity to meet him last year, an amazing guy all really around nice, yeah. and a, 
even better coach. I mean, just the way that he is able to carry himself and lead those guys to victory, not only for the basketball team, but I've seen Coach Dan Miller on the sidelines of the football games. I've seen him, you know, helping out the girls and everything, too. So just having a coach that not only cares about his squad, but the rest of the high school as well, that speaks volumes as well to the type of coaching staff that San Marcos has all around. Yeah, you always like to see those those type of coaches that that go to the other sports and they support. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a community. I mean, the athletics is a community. There's the athletic boosters within the within the high school. And if you're just if you just care about your sport, I mean, what really what value does that bring to the high school? I mean, it shows that he's more than just his basketball team. I mean, he's a guy that's looking out for San Marcos High School. And I mean. I don't know if you've seen, but on his Twitter, he also posts um, he also posts like drills for for players and coaches to practice. I mean, he's not just improving San Marcos basketball, but I mean, he's in, he's helping out coaches and and players not only in the state, but I mean, even around the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I want to talk about too, coming from San Marcos High School basketball, there's a, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a freshman point guard that I saw playing for Texas State that looked really familiar. Yeah, Caden Gums is good to good to see him out on the floor for Texas A. I mean, he got a start, and I've been saying I think that Caden Gums he's he's going to be a crucial part to this Texas A men's basketball team. The way he spread the floor at at the high school level, I mean, he was he's just insane. And I mean, he could shoot the ball super well. He could shoot well from behind the three point line. And in that first ten minutes against Little Rock, I mean, that's really where he did a lot of his damage. Little Rock kind of locked him up a little bit more as the as the game went on but I mean it's good to see Caden getting a start in the maroon and gold pretty good start and I mean first game at the division one level it's a completely different pace of play only the top one percent of high school athletes going to play college basketball or college athletics in any form that whether that's d1 two or three so I mean he's playing with the top one percent and from there the top one percent of that play pro level so I mean Caden Gums he's He's making the jump to the next level. We saw it for Maggie Walsh, and we're going to see it from Caden Gums. And it's going to be fun once he learns how college basketball is played. It's it's over. He's going to have a good year. Yeah, absolutely. And just I'm glad you actually brought up that statistic just about how hard it is for yeah. these athletes to make that transition. Coming from high school, I mean, high school basketball, when you're also focusing on your academic studies, trying to get into college, that's one thing. And so when you actually make it and you're playing at the college level, well, now you see the university grind, not only as a university student trying to make that transition, mm-hmm. but as a collegiate athlete at the D1 level. Yeah, that, that is an extremely hard thing to accomplish. But I think Caden Gums, he's going to be just fine as time moves, moves forward. But one thing that I also want to highlight, too, talking about the D1 level, we know that Texas State is in the Sunbelt Conference. But another, another Sunbelt Conference team that I want to highlight, kind of from a national standpoint, James Madison yep. University. I'm glad you brought it up. James Madison University, they are, they are absolutely killing it in all the sports this year. I mean, basketball. We know what the football program is doing. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, NCAA, if you're listening, let them play in that bowl game. They've Do you think they will, though? It. Oh, they think they will? Do you think they will? I think so. I know they. I know the uh, office of the university sent a letter to the NCAA interscholastic era, yeah. and they were kind of pleading their case, asking for them to have relief to be able to play in that game. Now, the rule has been in place for 23 years saying that you have to wait, I believe, what is it, two years? Two years, yeah. But this is, I mean, this is unprecedented what they're doing. 23 years later, seeing the type of football that they're playing at such a high level, I I think they've absolutely earned the right to do it. 
Yeah, I would like to see them play because um, so the way that the the New York Six Bowls work, the the big games, that's the uh, that's the Fiesta Bowl. Orange Bowl, uh, Orange Bowl, Bowl. Cotton Bowl, yes. right? Yeah, so all those all those big games, if they give the best group of five team the spot. So right now, JMU is the best group of five team with the best record. I mean, they're undefeated. So, of course, they're the best group of five team. So they will get a spot in a New York Six Bowl. Which one that would be, that is unyet to be known. But, I mean, think about a couple years ago when UCF played, who was Auburn in the in the Peach Bowl, I believe, and UCF ended up winning. That was the year that they went undefeated and they Claimed. crowned themselves national champions. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's what I'd want to see from JMU. But, I mean, the rule's been in effect for 23 years, as he said, and I don't think it's going to change. So I don't think JMU will get a bowl game. I mean, hopefully next year they're still good because as much as you hate to see, oh, man, JMU, JMU is countering us in all these sports. I mean, they're constantly the team we have to worry about. I mean, it's good for the Sunbelt Conference. If the Sunbelt wants to be a the future of Power Fives, especially with the Pac-12 dissolving, they need programs like this. Coastal Carolina is good. South Alabama is really good at everything as well. There's some really good programs, Southern Miss as well. And uh, notice a lot of these teams I just mentioned are teams that were brought in in the Sunbelt in the last five years. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually very glad you made that point about the Pac-12 dissolving. That mm-hmm. gives an opportunity for the Sunbelt Conference to do something that we haven't seen, I don't think that we've seen in our lifetimes, making the Power Five jump as a group of five team. I know there's also the A, not the ACC, but the AAC. Yeah, that's kind of the only other one that you can make an argument to get into the Power Five. But, I mean, they lost UCF right to the... In Houston as well. Yeah, those are two really big schools to the Big 12, so it's like... Uh, it's right there for the Sunbelt Conference's taking, don't yeah. you think? I mean, I think they're... Some of like the bottom teams, if they could improve, it's definitely going to be a competition between the American and the Sun Belt to kind of decide who that next Power Five, who that next Power Five team is going to be. Not it's going to be fun next five years. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about not only their football team being undefeated this year, the another JMU team, their basketball team beat Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, number four ranked Michigan State. While we're at it, you know that. Honestly, just caps, not caps off, but it just proves the type of season athletically that JMU is having. And it also just proves how crazy college basketball can be. I mean, we normally don't see this type of craziness until the month of March, but to have it in the month of November in the opener, I mean, that's almost Christmas, early Christmas gift, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some good games. Um, um, UMBC, the uh, Terriers, the team that upset uh, number six, number one Virginia a couple years ago when they were 16 seed. They almost had a victory. I think they lost by one point. So that was a that was a really good game to watch. Another uh, interesting game that was on was LSU women's basketball lost to Colorado, especially with how much they were talking about uh, Angel Reese was going to be an undefeated powerhouse team for LSU, and they lost to the Colorado Buffaloes. I thought that one was pretty interesting. So there were a lot of interesting first games, and if the rest of college basketball is going to be like that all season long, Buckle up because it's going to be a next fun couple months until we reach March. Yeah, talking about women's college basketball, talking about Angel Reese, another girl that I want to mention, Caitlin Clark. Oh, yeah. I mean, last night Iowa took on Virginia Tech, and Caitlin Clark dropped 44 points against the Hokies, Virginia Tech Hokies. Mm. I mean, 
Caitlin Clark is one of the best players in all of college sports right now, alongside Angel Reese. Can we talk about just the impact and the rise of women's college basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's been on the rise. I mean, you look recently, I mean, the WNBA finals are now on ABC. They used to just be on ESPN. Um, also, women's college basketball is on ABC. I mean, that game against LSU and Colorado, that game was on TBS. And typically, um, majority of the games that are on TBS are usually just the men's basketball game. So, I mean, it's definitely on the rise. But talking about 40-plus points in a 40-minute game, I mean, even some of the NBA guys are struggling to get to 30 in a game that is 48 minutes. So 40 minutes, you got 10-minute four quarters in women's college basketball, and she put up a 40-piece. Crazy to see. Yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy indeed. I mean, we talk about the type of games that Aaliyah Boston, per se, had when she was playing college basketball for South Carolina, mm -hmm. and now the impact she had made going straight playing to playing for the Indiana Fever. She had an amazing rookie year herself. But it's also interesting, I want to bring up too, playing that type of, playing that much college basketball, and then the WNBA draft is literally right after March Madness. Yeah. So going into that, being drafted, going straight, playing into the WNBA, that is, I mean, the type of determination that you have to have to really want to make it to that next level. We talk about how it is for high school athletes and for collegiate athletes as well. I'm sure that number is just about the same, if not even harder for the ladies playing college, college sports as well, high school going to college sports as well. You know, that just takes a determination that a lot of people don't have. So major shout out to Leah Boston, yeah. Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, and then our very own players as well, Texas State. Mm -hmm. They'll be having some more games coming up as well that we'll be calling. Yeah. But I believe that is the end of the time that we have today. So we appreciate you for listening in to Bobcat Radio this morning. If you want to make sure that you don't skip a beat, make sure you follow us on all of our socials at KTSW Sports on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Spotify. And thank you for listening to this morning's edition of Bobcat Radio.